Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. So I wasn't really sure where to put this, but I felt like I wanted to put it in writing, now that the whole thing's over. I had a small bakery and rented a space in a boutique shopping center that offered businesses all run by women. The landlord was super religious, and so were most of the other business owners. Now, I live in the South. It's expected. I want to note that I'm an atheist, and being in the South, I kept it very quiet. I had a great relationship with everyone at the shopping center, including my landlord. Until about 10 months into my one-year lease, when a woman who wanted my space found out about my atheism, and she outed me to my landlord. Cue the sharp decrease in the amount of business from vendors, sudden loud religious music being played in the common areas of the center, and then a 25% rent hike to only me, after being told that the rent would not increase. Finally, when I still didn't leave and instead renewed my lease, I received a flat-out termination of my lease, with no stated reason. In between the rent hike and the lease termination, she apologized to me for treating me badly, stating that Jesus wouldn't want her to treat people that way. She told me that finding out that I was an atheist when she believed me to be a Christian had really thrown her off, and she didn't know how to treat me. Everything culminated when she changed the locks on my business door two weeks before my lease term was up. I got my keys back. I then shut down my business and slowly began moving things out, even though she demanded that I move out immediately. I had put several thousand dollars into redecorating the space and getting the proper electrical lines run so I could operate. Over the year, I had blown all my savings on that business. At the end of my time, I cleaned the space, moved out all my stuff, and left it in better condition than when I moved in. I took lots of pictures, at the beginning and at the end of the lease, and documented everything in writing. The person who outed me also had a bakery, and promptly moved into my space and changed nothing in the decor. I calmly waited 60 days, for a return of my $400 security deposit. I want to note that I've also been a paralegal for 15 years, and I took a year-long hiatus to try to run the business. On the 61st day, I had an attorney in my firm write a letter to the landlord, demanding the statutory amounts owed to me, which was $1,400. What I got in return was a call from her lawyer to mine, telling me to back off, and if I attempted to get my security deposit back, they would call my boss and get me fired, and they would sue me for defamation for a comment that I had made on my personal Facebook saying that I thought my lease was terminated because I was an atheist. So I waited the required time frame and filed a suit for the $1,400 plus attorney fees. They promptly countersued me for defamation, fraud, and a whole racket of other things, and they wanted $10,000 minimum. They claimed that I caused significant damage to the property, and that I had stolen items that belonged to the landlord. I quietly wait for them to prosecute the case. They do nothing. After about 5 months, they offer me $400 to settle. I tell them no. Several more months pass, no discovery, no hearings, nothing. After a year, I filed a no evidence motion for summary judgment, asking that all the claims be dismissed. They didn't respond. Judge granted my motion. Then I filed a motion for summary judgment for $5,000 in attorney fees, plus the $1,400 in statutory damages. I attached pictures, emails, text messages, and all sorts of other proof to every one of their claims relating to why they didn't refund the deposit and how they were complete fabrications. Their attorney called wanting to settle for $1,000, and we told them no way. We wanted all $6,400. 
They didn't respond to my second message. The hearing was scheduled for last Friday. On Wednesday, we get a settlement offer of $4,500, and my attorney counters with $5,400. They accept. So after 18 months, I got my cashier's check for $5,400 today. I know that she treated me like dirt and booted me because I didn't hold the same religious beliefs that she assumed I did. Then she felt like she could get away with stiffing me the $400 deposit. Because of her attitude, she paid an extra $5,000, and I'm glad it's over. And maybe, just maybe, she'll be a slightly better landlord in the future. The landlord got exactly what she deserved, guys, and I almost wish OP got revenge on the person who outed her in the first place. Like, I'm completely flabbergasted. The landlord claimed she was Christian, and she didn't know how to treat OP when she found out they were an atheist. <laughs> like, how about treat that person like a human being? So, a little backstory. 25 years ago, my aunt passed away when I was a baby, leaving my two cousins who were both in their early 20s alone to fend for themselves. My grandparents, who were very wealthy, put a clause in their will that grandkids will receive half their share of inheritance if a parent passes away before the kids reach the age of 30, and then the other half when my grandparents eventually passed. Both of my cousins received a very sizable inheritance, coupled with the money they got from selling my aunt's house. The younger of the two paid off her college loans and she was able to buy property. She still lives on the same plot of land. The older sibling, however, blew all of his money within six years, and he was back to living in a condo working as a police officer. Everyone in my small family knew that he had a substance issue, so he was barely making ends meet with his officer salary, as he was buying copious amounts of drugs. The next four years, my cousin went to rehab three times, sponsored by my grandparents. He sobered up after getting his girlfriend, now wife, pregnant. She was an absolutely wretched woman. She saw my grandparents as a payday, and she essentially baby-trapped my cousin, thinking it was her ticket. Within seven years, they had three kids, so she's locked in tight. She's a nurse, and with three kids around, they always need a little boost. And guess who they would always ask? You got it, my grandparents. Being the kind spirits they are, they always lended a hand. My father, mother, sister, and I got sick of it very quickly. My grandmother unfortunately passed away when I was 17 leaving my grandpa as the last remaining. I was undoubtedly my grandfather's favorite among the grandkids, which left a real sore spot in the mouth of my cousin and his wife. I had two more years at home before college, so I lived with my grandpa to keep him company and help take care of him. My cousin and his wife hated this. They hated it so much that whenever they came to visit and I wasn't home, they would send their three gremlins into my room to destroy it. And this was the start. The longer I lived there, the more they would mess with me. Now, they did this to distance me and deter me from taking care of my grandpa so they could swoop in and be the heroes. This continued until one day, one of the kids found my gun. By this time, I was 18 and in the possession of a firearm. Now, I use quotations because my grandfather has guns, but he can't aim and shoot them anymore due to arthritis. So when I moved in, he placed all the weapons in my hands should the need of self-defense arise. He told me that should he see them out for any reason other than cleaning, there would be hell to raise. Being very well trained with guns and having a sense of pride in defending my home, I took this responsibility very seriously. I always kept a handgun in a locked container in my nightstand, with a key on a high shelf out of reach from the gremlins. On one fateful day, I'm out getting my grandfather food. When I come home and my older cousin, his wife, and my grandfather are staring at a gun on the table. It was my gun that I kept in the lockbox. It was loaded and had a bullet chambered. Now, I always keep a magazine in the lockbox, but I never loaded it into the gun. The lockbox was nowhere to be seen. My cousin claimed that one of the kids found the gun and was playing with it. I was 100% certain that he either found the key or broke the lockbox open to get to it and load it, as a 6-year-old would not be able to reach the key that I could barely grab. 
On top of that, there was no way that a six-year-old could figure out what the key was to, load my gun, and chamber it. I tried my best to explain what my cousin said was all lies, and that I never kept my firearms loaded in the house. But my cousin, who's a cop, scolded me on gun safety, and he threatened to have me arrested. He told me the only reason I wasn't arrested was because we're family. I was then asked to collect my belongings and go back to my parents. My cousin had won, or so he thought. The next day, I apologized to my grandpa, and I explained to him that there was no way that one of the kids could have gotten the key. He agreed with me, and he apologized, but he thought it was best that I move out until things cooled down. But once they do, I would be welcome back home. Our relationship was a little fractured due to the disinformation provided by my cousin. A month later, my grandfather died of a heart attack at 86 years old, and I was devastated. I was just beginning to get back into rhythm with him and rebuilt the trust that was somewhat shattered. To this day, I'm still unsure of what kind of man he saw me as due to my cousin. Immediately, my cousin and his wife began sucking up to my dad, as they had sealed a payday with grandpa, and it was time to move on to the uncle. This persisted for a month or two, and I wouldn't stand for it. Then came time for the will. My grandfather's lawyer read out the will to me, my father, my mother, and my sister in our home, and our two cousins would be briefed individually on their share of the estate, per my grandparents' request. Then the miracle line in the will comes to fruition. It says, if anyone attempts to claim any part of the estate that's not assigned to them, they forfeit any assets that they're supposed to receive, and that will be divided equally among the remaining family members. So this was basically their way of saying, if you try to claim more than you're given, you will get nothing. My father's supposed to receive every piece of physical property from my grandparents, as he's the only remaining child. So the revenge. I then hatched my plan. I then called my cousin and told him all grandma's jewelry was to be donated to a charity auction. Grandma's collection of gems and medals was extensive, to say the least. So a charity event wouldn't care if a few pieces didn't make it, right? It was a lure of gargantuan proportions that my greedy bastard of a cousin could not resist. He bit right onto it, and he headed over to my grandparents' house ASAP, determined to snatch up as much as he could, as a handful would send his kids to college. Regardless of what I said, the jewelry was never going to go to him anyways, so his actions were purely on his own, since none of it was destined to be his. Coincidentally, Dad was on the way with a lawyer to my grandparents' house to overlook everything. Formality stuff. According to Dad's testimony, my cousin had three shoeboxes worth of grandma and grandpa's jewelry, piled on the kitchen counter, ready for loading into his car. My dad and the lawyer stood in the kitchen, wondering why it was all there, when my cousin walks in from my grandparents' bedroom with a fourth and final shoebox. The jig was up, and he put two and two together that I set him up, which was true. But there was no penalty against me for exploiting my cousin's greed, so he would screw himself over. It's worth noting that between the 18 years from my aunt's death and my grandpa's death, their wealth had increased several times over, so my cousin felt cheated, and expected to receive just as much as my sister and I, despite receiving half of his already, and blowing it. Throughout this whole ordeal, his younger sister had not had a problem at all, and she's still weeping over grandpa's death like the rest of us. However, just like that, my cousin lost enough money in the course of 30 minutes that that made him contemplate his sanity, over greed. My cousin's wife apparently filed for divorce a few weeks later. We haven't heard from him in six years, as he's all but a disgrace now. You can call this a fairy tale ending, and on this particular part of the story, it somewhat is. But honestly, I would rather have my grandparents. 
Now this is such a crazy pro revenge guys. OP knew that his cousin's greed would lead to his downfall, and it totally sucks that OP lost that relationship with his grandfather due to his greedy cousin's actions. Like, reading so many Reddit stories, I'm not even shocked at the fact that family members would happily ruin another family member's life to get ahead, and I'm happy the cousin got exactly what he deserved. So this story happened 20 years ago, give or take. My uncle lived in a residential neighborhood with many kids. The speed limit was 25 miles per hour on this road. His daughter, son-in-law, and granddaughter, Coco, let's call her, lived across the street. The granddaughter was around four at the time and would randomly wander across the street to see her grandpa and go to his house. And yes, my cousin was not a good mom. The first of many signs being that she let her pre-kindergarten-aged daughter just walk off on her own. Luckily, Coco was a good child, and she only went straight to my uncle's house, or this could be an awful missing child story. Sadly, as with many neighborhoods, some people think it's okay to speed in residential areas, even when there's children playing. There was this one crazy speeder in a new decked out Camaro that would come flying through the neighborhood every day, around 50 to 60 miles per hour. That drove my uncle crazy. He screamed at him to slow down, but that didn't deter him. Children at play signs didn't deter him. Calling the cops did nothing. There were cars parked curbside on the streets, and kids lived all around here. Anything could happen. A kid could dart out between parked cars into the streets, chasing a ball that got away. Someone could get hurt very easily. Even worse, Coco could be walking over to see my uncle, and this guy at his speed wouldn't be able to stop in time. So my uncle thought about it for a while on how to get the guy to slow down. Now my uncle is normally an act now, think about it later type, so I'm impressed he actually plotted something, rather than just throwing a hammer and breaking the windshield. My uncle wanted to make sure that this guy really got the message that he didn't need to be anywhere so fast that he endangered lives. Endangering lives. Yeah, that's the idea. You see, my uncle had an old covered baby carriage from when Coco was an infant. She used it to play with her dolls. The Camaro guy had a pretty predictable schedule, so my uncle took the carriage with the doll in it outside, and he hid in front of his car, parked at the curb where he knew Camaro guy couldn't see him. According to schedule, Camaro guy would be coming the opposite direction, so he would be seeing the rear of my uncle's car, while my uncle was in the front. My uncle then waits until he heard the Camaro coming, waited a moment as it neared, and pushed the carriage into the road. For added dramatic effect, my cousin was nearby, and she screamed, The baby! Catch the carriage! Of course the Camaro guy had no time to react, and he plowed right into the carriage, sending the doll flying. Uncle and cousin ran for the doll like it was a baby. They were freaking out and looked at the driver. And the idiot didn't stop. But you could tell he was freaked. Uncle said he turned pale and turned at the nearest corner one house down to get out of there. Well, reason stands that the guy must have figured out that he didn't really hit a baby because it would be all over the news, but we never know for sure. What we do know is the guy never came through the neighborhood again at any speed, and he was spotted a number of times at the local bus stop, waiting on the bus. I was in that area about five years ago with my uncle, and he pointed out someone on the bus bench waiting and started laughing. He told me it was the Camaro guy, waiting for the bus again. As I said before, this happened around 20 years ago, and we saw him 5 years ago. I guess that scared him out of driving for life, and I think he got the message. Guys, that was an absolutely epic revenge, but let's talk about the fact that that idiot didn't even freaking stop when he clearly hit a baby carriage. He just kept driving off. Like yeah, thank goodness it was a doll and not a real baby, but seriously, to keep driving off and never looking back after smoking a baby carriage, what a freaking scumbag. 
If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. So I'm a professional baker, and I've worked for various companies developing recipes and the like. I found a job at the local grocery store, working super early mornings on their pastries for the day. There were usually a few other people there, one of whom was a mixer. Now mixers typically follow a spec sheet with all the weights of the ingredients that they need to batch mix. It's kind of mindless work and doesn't require much thought. He was a young guy, fresh out of his teens. We became fast coworker friends and enjoyed chatting up about baking, and I'd help him put our supply order away. It was good times. One day, a woman with a thick Russian accent comes in and she hands us business cards. She told us whatever we're getting paid, her company would double it if we came to work for them. Hearing this, I schedule an interview, thinking this would be a great opportunity for me. It was a new grocery store concept, like a glitzy, glammy, European-style Costco. Whatever that means. When I went for the interview, the place was literally still under construction. I met their lead baker and we hit it off right away. He warned me that the big boss had interesting tastes, and we would need to work with that. No biggie. It was more money, so I decided, let's go. They hired us both, and over the next several months, it was a really interesting and fun experience. The big boss, who was a thick, burly Russian man, wanted his place to be like Costco, mass production of quality pastries. They were bringing in crazy amounts of new equipment, including folders, shapers, and injectors that were easily worth millions. We didn't have much equipment to start, and we were doing a lot of mixing in trash cans. Remember my mixer buddy? Well, he was working on the bread dough, using spec sheets provided by the lead baker. Over time, they were bringing in more staff, and it was a lot of fun developing new recipes, experimenting with ratios, and figuring out how to get over constraints for the types of products the boss wanted. Now, did I mention that he was an a-hole? Oh yeah. When he was reviewing some cheesecake I made, he said, Good job, sweetie. I came back with, Miss, ma'am, or my name is fine. He then scowled at me, and from that point on, he treated me like garbage. We then brought on other women on staff, and I watched him hit on them. They pretended to enjoy it. This place was paying top dollar, and you had to get in good with the big boss, right? So the stage is set here. 
the boss quickly turned his business into a game of Survivor. He'd fire people on the spot for whatever reason. One day, one of the people he sacked was the lead baker. Now, that came to us as a surprise, since he was developing all of the recipes that we'd been using. I inherited a lot of his nodes, and his development work was divided between me and the mixer. So the whole time the mixer was kissing the big boss's ass pretty hard. He was seeing an open position with the lead baker gone, and he quickly became invested in the idea of him running the bakery show and making some serious money. At the same time, my relationship with Big Boss was quickly declining. For example, I had him sample some cinnamon rolls I made, and he came back with, I hate these. They're terrible. I then asked him, what do you not like? We can change anything about them. The dough, the filling, the icing. He then replied with, I don't know. I just don't like them. So on a hunch, I gave him some cinnamon rolls from the same batch to another lady that he had eyes for. I then asked her if she'd present them to him as her own. She offered him the same product I'd given him minutes before, and he loved it. Anyway, I noticed that my notes were out of place one day, and a coworker informed me that my mixer buddy was stealing my work and presenting it as his own. He was also approaching me asking a lot of baking questions, which was fine. But I knew that his knowledge of industrial ratio baking was mediocre at best. He was a mixer. Following a recipe is all he knew how to do. Knowing this, I made a decoy of my notes, but this time I put really, really awful recipes in, with huge amounts of salt or yeast. Now anyone who knew how to build a recipe could probably look at it and go, whoa, that's a lot, but not Mixer Buddy. So my original plan was to leave this in an obvious spot as bait, and let him steal the awful recipes, but Big Boss had other plans. We sat down for a pre-launch meeting, and he informed me that I wasn't going to be working in the bakery anymore. Mixer Buddy was going to be taking over as lead baker, and I was to give him all of my notes so far. And I thought, no problem boss. A day later is when the fun really began. Mixer Buddy mixed up a bunch of super salty cake batter, and I heard the boss screaming at him about way too much salt. And that's not even where the fun begins. As we were setting up industrial baking equipment, we had to test the larger quantity mixing machines. And we did a test run for some bread dough, with my decoy recipe that had triple the yeast and sugar. Now, as it didn't come out right, Mixer had to throw it away. And his choice was the dumpster out back, in the dead heat of summer. Hundreds of pounds of dough. Now, the funny thing about massive amounts of bread dough is that it doesn't magically stop rising if you throw it away. Especially in a hot dumpster. A few hours later, I spied out back to see Mixer Buddy shoveling this massive blob of dough into trash bags, and they had all exploded from the dumpster like an uncovered blender, spewing out yeast-laden smoothie. Now, about the mafia thing, the store was really strange. They had been ordering doubles of all the crazy industrial baking equipment and storing them in the back. We had nowhere to put any of this. I also looked up the company they were subcontracted under, and it was to a dead address in Russia. Big Boss also had unarmed security guards everywhere, and this was a grocery store, mind you. I had a feeling that this company was more of a front for laundering a bunch of money. I eventually was fired by Big Boss, which was great, because I had been job hunting, full well knowing that this business was a sinking ship. I had a new job lined up already. They had their grand opening, did business for three months, and then they closed. R.I.P. Mixer Buddy. Okay, so Opie does post a picture of the dumpster, and wow, look at all that dough. (laughs) And that, my friends, brings us to another end of our slash pro revenge. Guys, I hope you enjoyed the stories today. If you did, hit that thumbs up button. And if you missed yesterday's episode on the channel, a super entitled Karen lets her son steal cars and actually defends him when the police come. It's such a crazy story, so go check it out if you haven't. And myself and Stevie Boy will see you guys in the next one. We love you.
Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bolin Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bolin Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bolinbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.